This podcast is brought to you by MediShare, affordable and biblical health care sharing. Visit MediShare.com slash unpacking it. You deserve affordable, reliable health care. It's MediShare. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. This is the show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Today on the show, we are joined by one of my favorite guests, and we've now had him on. We had him on last year, and then today and man he he just brings it every time he gives great answers long insightful impactful answers and and just love his heart and perspective and and view of of being a head coach and his faith he's just very uh genuine and and as you'll listen it it just flows his his faith flows into who he is and it's it's evident. It's evident that uh, he loves God and 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 wants to be a great football coach, but but have an impact on people as well. And and so we'll we'll get to the interview in just a moment. Um, he he's heading into his sixth season with Indiana as their head coach. Uh, he previously served as the defensive coordinator uh, at Indiana as well as at South Florida. He spent time as an assistant at Ole Miss, Arkansas State. Drake, uh, among uh, some other programs. He's actually from Indiana, and he's he's won Coach of the Year awards, uh, but the team is actually coming off of a tough season, and he talks a lot about that, and and so they only won two games last year, and, and that came on the heels of back-to-back winning seasons, and and so it's it's tough. The, 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 the rise and fall of, of programs and season by season and all that goes into it, and to stay consistent in our faith, uh, that's the that's the challenge because all of us can relate to that. The tough seasons, the fun seasons, the seasons that are you know uh, maybe tangible blessings, and then the seasons that God blesses us through the challenges, through the difficulties. Uh, that's part of uh, part of life and part of our journey as believers and and followers of Jesus. And so we'll discuss that a little bit more. Uh, at the end of the interview, as I give a reflection and, and unpack one of the topics a little bit further, uh, but just wanted to, to share that on the front end. And, and before we jump in, let me thank our presenting sponsor, MetaShare. If you're looking for an affordable, reliable healthcare option that you can trust, check out MetaShare today. MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. My family, we've been members for over six years and have appreciated uh, being a member and, and being able to, to afford health care and, and to be able to have uh, just an opportunity to go to the right doctors and, and get the right health care and, and to be able to take care of my family. 
uh, it's been awesome. And so MediShare offers programs for every budget. And so whether you're an individual or self-employed or have a big family, different options for you. And, and so the best part, their members on average save 50% or more on their healthcare costs. And so just check it out. MediShare.com slash unpacking it. Figure out if it's the right fit for you and your family. Get a quote, do some research, and, and find out the, the unique yet awesome way uh, they are structured. Uh, it's, not, it's not health insurance. It's a, a member-sharing health care community, a uh, health-sharing community. And, and so it's, uh, it's biblical and unique and, and love being a member and being a part of it. So right now, let's jump in. A conversation with the head football coach at Indiana, Tom Allen. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Unpacking it with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on the MetaShare guest line, returning to Unpacking It is the head football coach at Indiana, Tom Allen, coach, so great to see you. How are you? Doing great. It's awesome to be back on your show. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll talk football in a little bit, but it's uh, the week leading up to Father's Day. And, and so I'm curious, uh, your plans for Father's Day, but also kind of what, what do you do to maybe even reflect on, on your role as a dad and, and then your dad growing up? Well, special day. You know, my, my dad was my high school coach. And uh, uh, obviously, he would be special regardless whether he was or he wasn't. But uh, created a special bond for us, you know, as I've gone on to be into coaching now for my 30th year here coming up. But, uh, you know, just and then the, the role that I have, our son just got done playing for us here. And now he's one of our coaches. So got that special connection on our current staff. And, and it's the two daughters we have. So just being just the, the, the value of that role, the importance of that role. In, in the lives of our children and uh, children across this, this world. And so special weekend, you know, we're going to spend it uh, on official visits though. So we <laughs> recruiting never stops. So that'll be a big part of it, but also just being together as a family and uh, just can't emphasize enough the impact that my dad has had on me and, uh, and my, my personal faith and his example with that and how he led us growing up. But then uh, also now just uh, to be able to have him as a mentor my whole life and, and uh, being able to, Enjoy time together. He's 84 now, so uh, we've had a long time together. We're really blessed. Oh, I lo- love hearing that. And, and and speaking about your your son, take us into what that dynamic has been like coaching him and now coaching him as an assistant coach. Yeah, you know, it's kind of it's that that's a unique part that I, I had never experienced yet. You know, obviously, I played for my dad, so I could I, I knew a little bit what that would feel like as a player. And then coaching Thomas here these last five years, uh, that can be more stressful probably than people realize, you know, and, and on both sides, just because, you know, as a dad, you want to do so well and, and yet you're still his head coach. And, and, but he was such a great young man and did everything the right way. The his big struggle was, was having some really serious injuries that made it hard. And I hated that for him, but as a kid, you know, trying to or, you know, earn your way as a player and, 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 and win the locker room support because you're worthy of that, not because you're the coach's son, but because of who you are as a player and as a person. So we made our, we made it through all that. And now as a coach, it's actually, uh, it's pretty cool. I really enjoy working with him and having him on our staff. And, and it's definitely a different relationship uh, than before, 
but it's actually in some ways it's more enjoyable. And hmm. I feel like it's just something that where we can just really, you know, uh, grow. And then you see him, he just got married last summer and, and now he's got his wife and the family starting here. And so just to me, that's a neat place for him to be. And I get to share that with him and, and be able to help him grow as a coach. And, and he's, he's a talented guy to have really been impressed by him so far. And he's got a real knack for coaching and his, his mind is, is really wired for defensive play and, and being able to do a lot of great things as a GA he has got a lot of work he does. And, and I can just pick up the phone and tell him what I need. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> oh man. No, that that's fantastic. And, and to think about three generations of, of coaching, yeah. how, how different and similar are your dad and your son and you in regards to coaching, maybe style or personality wise. Yeah, I would say uh, myself and my dad um, were probably pretty different in terms of on the field personality. I was way more emotional and fiery, you know, just kind of, my dad was a little more even keeled, you know, but he was an offensive guy and I'm a defensive guy, you know? And so I I think that personality kind of fits that, you know, I think Thomas is a little more like me in that regard. I think he, uh, he played that way and, and has that inning too and and kind of coaches that way already, you know, flying around, jumping on guys and, and having that enthusiasm on the field, you know. So, but but the part that's consistent that I got from my dad was the the, the relentless film study and the mm-hmm. detail of coaching the game. That's what I really learned from him, and that's what he was really good at and breaking everything down and being a great teacher uh, of, of scheme and technique and, and then just the preparation piece and just uh, just being such a – a person willing to just watch hours and hours and hours of film and not, not get bored with it, you know, and try. And I think Thomas has, has a lot of that in him too. So you kind of, you gotta be who you are, be true to yourself, you know, within your personality, but uh, the love of the game and, and, and the ability to use it to impact. That's the consistency. I learned that from him and I want to teach that to Thomas. Gosh, uh, the family business. That's, that's, that's fun. That's, right. uh, that's, that's really <laughs> neat. And, and, as far as your your staff goes, I understand some some changes in the offseason heading into to this year, and especially with your role now being even more focused on the on the defensive side. How how uh, I guess challenging is that to to navigate the the, the staff and the and the changes and the roles and and making sure people are in the right spots uh, on a year to year basis, and also recognizing that. You know, coaches go to other opportunities and, and sure. all of that. How have you navigated and learned through all of that? Well, you know, it is. It's a, a challenging process, I think. It's, it's the most critical thing you do is hire great assistants and, and be able to allow them to, to, to do their job and, and do it at a high level. And so, but getting the right people, you know, I pray for it, uh, for wisdom for that a lot. You know, I really do. I, I fall back on my life philosophy of working like it depends on me and, and praying like it depends on God. And, and I do that in, in recruiting and in hiring coaches, because, you know, I don't know unless you've been with a guy every day, what, what a coach is going to be like once he adds your, to your staff, if you've never worked with him before. So just really pray for a lot of wisdom to be able to, to pick the right guys, you know? And, and so, uh, but I, I think that when you have that change, you know, you're trying to get a new staff together that it's going to mesh and have great chemistry. And so you work through those things. We've done that this spring and now into the summer and, 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 and even with our GA, so we actually have four GAs like everybody does. And all four of those guys got full-time jobs this, also, this cycle, which is awesome. And that's the whole goal. And they've all been here for several years. So it was great for them to be able to be here and then leave here with a full-time job. And so, so we got four new GAs also. Obviously, Thomas is one of them. But, but uh, just a lot of new faces 
on our staff and a lot of new faces on our team. Kind of had kind of a little changing of the guard a little bit, even on, as the players, a lot of older guys last year. And so just trying to, you know, build a new team. Every New Year's is a little different. And uh, But as I tell our team, you know, best team is who wins on game day. So right now the whole goal is everything's about building the best team. Absolutely. That, may, that makes sense. Well, you, you mentioned heading into your 30th season in coaching, which that's a significant number. And, and so as you even think back to, wow, 30 years doing this, and, and I, don't, I don't know how it's probably hard to think back to that, that first year, but putting it in perspective going into your 30th year compared to, you know, kind of your thoughts and perspective heading into that, that first year, how, how different is it? Oh goodness. Yeah. 1992. I was, uh, started my first year coaching down in Tampa, Florida, Temple Heights high school. And, uh, yeah, man, I tell you what, I had no clue. <laughs> I had no clue what I was doing. I, uh, just, uh, I remember studying, you know, I was, I was the, uh, uh, I coached linebackers on the, uh, um, defensive side of the football and I coached the offensive line on the offensive side of the football. And, and that was my initial task. And, and uh, uh, so studying the playbook that the head coach gave me and, and going down there and meeting the players and meeting the coaches. And, and uh, it was a new for us. We never lived in the state of Florida before we got married that summer, my wife and I. And she was teaching and coaching at the same school. She was actually head volleyball coach and assistant softball coach. And so now I just think back to that first year and like, wow. I mean, I just I really did. I literally had no idea. Uh, you know, what I was getting into, didn't know a whole lot about a lot of things. I just knew that I, you know, felt like that's what I was called to do was to impact lives through coaching and had a lot to learn, you know, about, you know, I felt like pretty good about knowing how to coach linebackers because I played that my whole life, but didn't have a clue about how to coach offensive line and what that would look like and different things. So just uh, like anything else, you study and prepare and, and work your tail off and, and just dive into the lives of those kids. We didn't have any children at the time. So, those those players were our children so it's pretty cool time for sure and, and now 30 years later you you have your son on your staff so uh that's, that's right how about that there you yeah, go full second. gosh that that's amazing well all right so you're heading into your your sixth season as the as a head coach uh at indiana and you know last year was as you know was a, a challenging year a difficult year injuries and and, and losses and that, that's coming off of two back-to-back winning seasons and and so you've experienced uh, kind of both aspects of, uh, of of what it means to to win and lose, and, and so how different is your uh, messaging or or mindset for for the team heading into this year compared to even last summer when maybe the expectations were higher and, and you're coming off the success? What what are those differences like? Well, it's a significant difference in regards to the approach, and because of this last year, you know, going into that season, such high expectations as you mentioned. Had so many kids back, you know, we, they do like at the beginning of the year, you know, they have all the watch lists that come out. We had 19 guys on different watch lists. I mean, 19 with different watch lists were represented by Indiana players. And uh, the 20th one was me, you know, for some whatever, whatever that means. And so, you know, that was a whole different level of expectation. And this year, you know, with the challenging year that we had and a lot of guys graduating and moving on. And so, you know, a different uh, type of expectations. And so, you know, but to me, we and we got a lot of guys back from last year too. Even though we did graduate quite a few, we had 36 seniors last year that, that graduated, and uh, uh, which is double normal. You know, because of COVID, a lot of different things created those numbers and unique situations with all that. But but at the same time, we got a really strong nucleus back, which I love. A lot of really strong leaders that uh, really I think that 
got a chip on your shoulder, something to prove, you know, and, and I feel like we might've lost that a little bit, you know, not intentionally, but I just think when you have, like I said, the two years back to back where guys were playing at a high level, we had a chance to go to back to back January bowl games in Florida and, and then have a, you know, the expectation of last season, then the injury started and close losses and it just kind of snowballed. But, but at the same time, I think, you know, you know, our one word for 2022 is build. And uh, to me, that's got a significant meaning to it because, you know, it's taken from the book of Nehemiah, you know, and just the whole concept of even in that situation, there was adversity. But, man, as things got harder, they, they, you know, Nehemiah was more determined than ever to build and finish what he started to do in, in, that, in building the wall. And I feel the same way here. And we're more determined than ever, even though we have adversity and we had, a you know, really a, a very opposite type of season than we, any of us expected in 2012. But you know what? You know, the good Lord was with us in 19 and 20, and he was with us in 21, even though things didn't go go our way. And uh, so to me, it's a great life lesson to be able to learn. Because, man, life's hard, and sometimes life's not fair. And so we use everything, the good and the bad, to teach our players about life. And so I'm excited about this team, how hard they've worked and continue to work. We've got to have a great rest of the summer after a great fall to be able to prepare. But the message is, like I said, it's quite a bit different. But at the same time, you know, the best team, wins on game base where the goal is to build the best team. Amen. And I, I love that word build. And I love the book of Nehemiah and I've, I've read actually two books about Nehemiah that, that are two of my favorites. So uh, that's, that's speaking right, right to, to my uh, heartbeat on that. So I, I love that. And, and so you, you alluded to this a, a little bit, but, but unpacking it a little bit further, just as far as, you know, I know you've probably moved on from last season in, in many ways, but but to, to take a look even personally from, from last year, the challenges of losing as a head coach and, and going through the type of season, watching guys get injured, you know, what kind of toll does that take on you and, and how did God meet you in that and, and how were you kind of personally strengthened and, and how did you grow in the midst of that? Yeah, it was, it was really difficult, to be quite honest. You know, it was uh, – and I think when their expectations are at such a high level, you know, the, the fall – it hurts even more, you know, and, uh, but, I, but I think it was a, you know, a chance to really do some soul searching about, you know, things that you're doing and how you're doing. I think that's a natural thing to do when you don't achieve your goals. And, and, but at the same time, you know, I, I literally read the book of Job uh, mm -hmm. after we were done. Now, not that I'm Job, but I felt like he, you know, <laughs> sir, cause it seemed like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And we lost 20 players with seasoning season ending injuries in, in 2021, which I've never been a part of anything like that and we had 10 more guys that we lost for five games or more so we just lost a lot of guys and and we didn't have the depth to, to overcome that but you know it's part of that's part of it you know you got to learn to deal with those kind of things and so but as I read through that book and and I read through it three times when I went on the road recruiting just just kept reading it and reading it, just trying to find and you know what the thing that just kept jumping out to me was you know God didn't just come up with some explanation you know basically he just his response was you know, this is who I am. And the reality is I am God and you're not. Mm. And, and to me, you know, it's about, do I trust in him? Do I, do I recognize that when things were going great in 2020 and you're winning national, you know, awards as a coach. Uh, and then in 2021, you're the opposite of that. You know, you're going to get the, uh, you know, a lot of negativity and a lot of criticism and a lot of uh, finger pointing about why things went the way they did. And so what are you trusting in? And so the thing that it taught me was that, man, we serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God when things are going our way. And we serve an awesome God when everything is seemingly going against you. 
because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so uh, a lot of times we get spiritual entitlement. We think that because we put him a certain place in our lives or we, you know, put him in a position where, where he should be, that we should get something in return for that. And uh, you know what? Sometimes he chooses to, to to give us blessings with those things. And sometimes he chooses to allow us to go through some, some really hard trials. And, but, but he's the same regardless in our, in our, in our faithfulness to him, our trust in him and our ability to, to use those good and the bad to impact lives really should not matter. And we should have the same focus of using those experiences to help shape the lives of the people that God brings in our path. So yeah, it was, it was a really hard time for sure. But at the same time, I feel like we've really learned a lot of valuable lessons about, you know, what we put in our faith and trust in and realizing that, uh, we serve an awesome God, regardless of the circumstances. Oh, amen. That's powerful. And, and that concept of spiritual entitlement, man, that's a, that's a good word right there. And, and to, yeah, kind of unpack our own perspectives on, on that. Cause I, I think all of us, if we've been following Jesus for a while, yeah, we can get caught up in that. What do you mean? I've been doing, I've been doing this for you and you're not blessing me in this way. What, what's happening? And it's easy to get, get frustrated with God, but like you said, he's faithful. He remains the same. He's still good. Even even in the midst of, of what we view as challenges, but but he's using those things for his glory and to change us and mold us and, and shape us. So yeah, I appreciate you, uh, you you saying that. That that's awesome. Well, coming off of a season like that, what what is the kind of maybe off season? I know you head coaches barely have an off season, but what do you do to to get replenished and, and rejuvenated co- coming off of a, a year like that? Well, I mean, I think you know. As you know, and you mentioned, you know, there's not a lot of time to do that. You know, as soon as, I mean, the day that the, the season's over, the next year you're going out recruiting, you know, and and we were blessed and fortunate to be able to sign the, the top class we've ever signed in Indiana, even following such a difficult year, which is which is amazing. But I think it just speaks to the foundation of the of the, the where we're at as a program, you know, and that one, one season wasn't viewed as a, you know, indicative of the whole program, you know, so, but at the same time, you know, you got to, you know, for me, it's, it's getting recharged through, you know, reading good books, which starts with his word and, and keep my mind sharp. And like I said, even the whole, you know, the word, you know, I use the one words to really create that focus, you know, for me and for our program. And, and, you know, I've read the, the book built to last mm. because of the one word build and, and just trying to go through and focus on. And I also read the book, you know, extreme, you know, accountability, you know, for, for guys to be able to, to understand that, that, that it's about taking ownership. And I got a sign on my desk uh, that's not new, but it's been here for a while, but it, it's called, it says the buck stops here. You know, it's from the Harry S. Truman. You know, he kept it on his desk. just about taking ownership of, and, and, and matter of fact, the, the book I read was extreme ownership and uh, about taking ownership of, you know, everything in the organization that the head coach has to. And so just that rejuvenation of being able to, to refocus and then, go attack once more because there's, you know, there's no time to sit back and feel sorry for ourselves because I promise you nobody else is feeling sorry for us. So you just got to be able to draw strength from the things that matter most. That's your faith in your family and to be able to persevere through challenges and just keep, you know, getting refocused and rebuilding, you know, and, and getting our minds right and getting ready to go attack another one. Because like I said, they, there's, there's no time to sit back and, 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 uh, and rest. Absolutely. So, you mentioned getting back on, you know, recruiting and, and congrats on, on getting a, a great class. I, you know, every head coach has different, you know, thoughts and opinions on, on kind of the, the changes that are taking place in, in college football specifically. And, and so for you, 
how is that playing out in regards to recruiting and the transfer portal and kind of what's your your main uh, perspective on on things and, and how you've navigated and adapted with some of those changes? Well, yeah, it's really made uh, it, it's different. I mean, it's significantly different. You know, managing the roster now is is unique uh, uh, compared to the past and, and the challenge that it's created. Uh, it, it's made it to where, you know, we all we still have recruiting weekends that we will do where they have larger numbers there. But now because of the a little more constant flow of guys coming and going from your program uh, than you have had in the past, uh, you have more individual guys coming on visits, which means it's just more time, you know, even times a year when you maybe wouldn't have had guys coming on visits. And whether you have one guy on a visit or 10 guys on a visit, you know, you have to put similar amount of work into it. So it's it's made it more challenging to, to feel like we're always in this you know, official visit mode with, with our guys based on the calendar. And, and that's definitely unique. And, and, and just the fact that, you know, we had 20 new players at the semester. Uh, we've never, I don't think we've ever had more than 10, you know, come in at the mid year and we had 20 this year, you know, 10 out of high school and 10 from other schools. And so uh, that's, you've got a whole new influx of guys in January that you've never really had in the past, you know? And so it's just, but it kind of goes back to that whole focus of, you know, in, in a, in a, in a calendar year, how do you build the best team? And that's kind of the approach that we're trying to come up with and say before it's kind of a little more of a, a long-term approach to that process. I think now it's kind of come compressed, but uh, the end result is still, the goal is still the same to, to build that special group. That's, that's united, that's connected, that learns to trust each other. And, and that doesn't happen overnight. So we really haven't changed, you know, the, 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 the ingredients to create that we've had to change the, the calendar and the compression of it has to happen faster and it has to be done in a more intentional way, I think. And so because the goal is the same, you still got to get ready to play, you know, your season at the same time. But the pieces, you know, are a little more variant than they've been in the past. So I just think it makes it challenging, you know, because it's team sport that we that we play in football. And it takes a lot of different guys and a lot of guys coming together. So, you know, that, that, that part, I don't know that that's ever going to change. I don't know if we're going to go back. You know, I don't think it's going to be the way it used to be ever again. So uh, definitely something that you just have to adapt to. And that's what we're trying to do. And, and I know that you've done a great job building a, an awesome culture there. And and so what is the balance between, you know, getting guys into your program and them understanding what the culture is and, and becoming a part of that, that culture versus recruiting guys that fit that culture? And, and so how do you how do you do that? That's interesting to me. It really is. And here's the part, here's how I would explain a little bit is that, you know, when you recruit a high school young man, you know, sometimes you recruit him a year and a half to two years, you know, but in the portal, you might recruit him for two to three weeks, you know, or, and maybe a month would be probably a long time, you know, in that, in that counter. So we, we've tried to focus on guys that we either already knew in the recruiting process or had somebody that I know and trust really, really well that's been around them on a daily basis. Uh, it doesn't always work like that, but that's that's kind of step number one is to try and go after guys that you got a little more information on. And then also it's still, whether they're, like you said, coming from another college or coming from high school, the fit is a big deal. And I, that's why I think this praying for the wisdom to know who to, to bring here is even more important than ever. It, it was always important, but it's almost become more important because of the, the reduction in time to get to know these guys. Because you're right. I mean, the, the culture is critical. But I will say this, getting them here in January was a big deal because those 20 guys got the chance to be around us for this whole spring semester. And 
you know, when you have an established culture, you know, the, mo the most powerful way for that culture to, to kind of multiply itself is not from the coaches per se, it's from the players. And so we got a lot of guys that are bought into what we're doing here that are older. And so we've, been, we've worked so hard. As a matter of fact, we expanded the amount of guys on our leadership council so I could have more guys that are influencing this team because of the turnover and the change. And we did some different things with accountability teams that were cross-positional, cross, you know, sides of the football to get guys to accelerate the, the connection process with our team because of having so many new faces. So we're trying to do some things differently for sure uh, within the structure of what we believe, how you build, build a team. So I just think it's definitely made it more challenging, but at the same time, there's certain principles you believe in with how you build something, and that's what we're sticking to. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the concept of the leadership council. So these are players. What, what, what does that kind of structure look like? Yeah, so the goal is we want every, every position represented on that council, and there's, there's 10 positions. You know, the 11th position is, are the specialists, and five on offense, five on defense, and your specialists. And then you want to also have all grade levels. So what we do is we have, we have 30 players on that council which is, you know, a third of our team, basically. And so uh, we want to make sure we have the players vote and we have the coaches vote. And then I have the final say. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to get the right guys. And I actually run these meetings in the springtime. And I use John Maxwell's 21 irrefut Irrefutable Laws of Leadership to, as my basis for it. I use some other things as well, but that's, it. that's, the, that's really the, the framework that we use. And to teach them and to show them how do you lead. Because I think a lot of young men today because of being raised on their phones, they can communicate well with that mechanism, but not so much verbally. Mm. And to me, the verbal communication is a critical part of a football team. So we really kind of have to work through that as well and help them, give them the tools, give them the courage and confidence to be able to encourage, to challenge, and to sometimes confront their teammates in a positive and negative way. Gosh, that's phenomenal. I, I love that setup. And and you mentioned maybe the challenge of communication for, for these guys. Do you find, uh, is it easier to get leaders these days or even uh, 15 years ago around the teams that, that you were, you're coaching with? Or I guess I'm just interested how different are leaders today? Cause I, I think about it even from a, a macro standpoint in, in all areas of life, but just your, your standpoint in players that are leaders, what are, what are some of the strengths and weaknesses that you notice? Well, it's definitely, I think it's more challenging. Um, I think that, you know, when you, uh, it's easy, it's easy to think about this. So if I can send somebody a message on my phone and send you a text message, you know, I can kind of feel pretty empowered by whatever <laughs> I want to do. Right. But if I got to confront you face to face, that's a little bit different. And yeah. I don't think they feel as comfortable confronting face to face, but you know what? The game is played face to face. It's not play. It's not played on our phones. Okay. And so, we have to really work on that. And, and I think that's something that's very different than in the past. And, and this is what I noticed when I first got here, you know, I felt like we had some really good young men on this, on our leadership council, but I, I came to the conclusion that, and I challenged our guys with this, and it's kind of made a huge difference. And that is this. I said, guys, I said, leadership by example for this group, for our leadership council, that's not leadership. That's just doing your job. Okay. And so in order to truly lead this football team, you have to open your mouth, and you have to encourage, you have to challenge, and you're going to have to confront. Mm. And that third one is the hardest one. I had some really good guys that, and they were great encouragers, and they would sometimes challenge their teammates at certain times. But man, confronting them was a whole nother level. And they didn't feel comfortable doing that. They didn't want to do that. 
But when they finally recognized they needed to do that and for this program to go to another level, that's when things started changing in my mind at Indiana in, for the 2019 season. And that's just continued. And so we kind of have that ingrained. So you have to you have to teach them and show them what that looks like. And and then when you get in, in moments when and you have a chance to, you know, show a young man, hey, this is when you need to step up and say something. And because it's, it's just more powerful when it comes from within and when it's player led. And when yes. the players are the ones that are policing the locker room or are policing you know, the way we practice and train, all those kind of things, because the coaches, that's they're expected to do those things. But when you do it internally with the players, it elevates everything. So that's the goal, and it's that's what we're trying to accomplish. That's awesome. Oh, that 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 excites me. I love uh, I love that kind of setup and structure. And yeah, player led. It's a it's a game changer. It really is. Uh, last thing. So I, I think last year we talked about how you you try to have a book for your coaches to to read maybe through the season or in the off season. Uh, have you decided on that book, or have you already been through a book this year that the that you and your coaching staff read through? Yeah, Built to Last is the book that I yeah, use that's the this one. year. Yeah, and, you know, and it goes through, and, and it's a not a, it's not a new book. It's been around, but the thing that sticks out to me about that is when you study organizations that have had success over time, is that they stick to their core values. And you make adjustments and you may do some things different schematically as a coach, and but the core values don't change no matter the good or the bad, you know, and the economy changes, different things is obviously business are affected by that, but the ones that have great sustainability. So we talk about things like that and to, to guide us through, you know, trying to make some good changes and, and, and trying to make some, some wise changes you know, in our program to allow us to continue to grow and just keep building. Absolutely. Well, that sounds awesome. Well, coach, we'll be pulling for you and, and, and so excited for the, uh, the upcoming season and, and really great having you on the show once again. So, so inspiring and encouraging. And so really, really appreciate it and, and hope you enjoy the rest of the summer. Well, we sure plan to have an awesome day. LEO. All right. Absolutely. There's coach Tom Allen joining us here on the MetaShare guest line right here on the unpacking it podcast. Sharing the personal side of sports, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. That was excellent. Tom Allen delivers once again, and I am an Indiana football fan. So, of course, I I root for App State, but I am an Indiana football fan, and hey, even even coming off a two-win season, I'm a fan of Tom Allen, and, and so I'm, I'm rooting for him and the program that he's building. The word of the year, build. It's one of my favorite words. I, I did a, I went through this program years ago, had a, a kind of a, a life coach, ministry coach, and we were kind of discovering, all right, what's my vision and what, God, what has God placed on my heart and how has he designed me and what are my interests and skills and abilities and, and kind of went through all this as I was starting unpacking it. And, and one of the things that bubbled up was I'm a builder. So I've been building, unpacking it with God's help, with his guidance and, and leading uh, for the last 10 years. And, and so how that also plays out, though, I also love to build Legos. I don't do that as often. Well, now that I have a daughter, I do. Uh, I like to build sandcastles. Now that I have two daughters, uh, I get to do that. Uh, Maddie, who's almost three, get to do that with her. If you listen to the live show the other day, I did talk about uh, building sandcastles at the beach. But anyway, so I, lo- I, I resonate with that, that concept of building. And, and actually, two books I, I love. One is by Andy Stanley. It's called Visioneering. And then another book by Chip Ingram, Holy Ambition. And, and both of those were, were critical when, when I was just starting out. And I go back to those books uh, as I continue on this journey of building. 
Um, and so if you're uh, building something, both of those books are, are highly recommended and they, they go off of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah in the Bible um, about rebuilding the wall. And so a lot of biblical wisdom and insight from those two books. So Tom mentioned those two things, but that's a, that's a bonus, uh, bonus take here on the reflection segment that we try to do at the end of each interview where we unpack something a little bit further. And you'll, you'll notice that what I want to talk about, I, I acknowledged during the interview, but the concept of spiritual entitlement. And I love what, what Tom was saying about that because yeah, here he is, you know, an outspoken man of God talks about Jesus, doesn't hold back. And that's who he is. That's the type of coach he is. So what, what do you mean? Why, why, why he's only going to win two games last year. What's up with that? That's not right. Come on. He needs to be blessed. He needs to win. He needs to win coach of the year. He needs to win a national championship. Isn't that what's supposed to happen? Well, you and I are the same way because when we're doing the right thing and it's like, no, I want this blessing. This door should open. No, no, no. And I can re relate to this. Life of ministry is hard. And again, as we've built unpacking it, a lot of challenges, it's hard. You know, I, I, I get that entitlement mentality. Come on, God, I'm doing the right things. What are you doing? Why aren't you answering this prayer or blessing me in this way? Or why am I having to wait so long? And, and why am I having to go through this tough thing? Or why am I facing that, that loss or, or that hurdle or that obstacle? Isn't everything just supposed to be smooth and, and, and wonderful every step of the way? And, and we have to, to, to understand <laughs> that, that, that that's not the way things go this side of heaven. Now, one day, things will be perfect. We'll be with God forever, and, and I long for that day. But in the meantime, we're going to have tough seasons. The Bible's clear about that. We're going to experience suffering and trials and times of refinement where, where God is, uh, we're always being refined, but, but intense times in the fire, right? As gold goes into the fire, the purities, uh, the impurities rise to the top of gold. They wipe off the impurities. And then what's left coming out of that fire is gold. And so we go through a similar process in life. And, and so we'll experience blessings, absolutely. And, and God's a good God, and, and he's kind to us, and his grace is unbelievable, and his mercy is unbelievable. And, and, and he will show us favor as we follow him, and, and, and we'll avoid a lot of the pain in life that comes to people that choose the wrong way and choose sin. There are, there are ramifications for that, and we avoid all of that. Uh, as we follow follow Jesus, and and so uh, along with that though is we're we're still going to have tough times, and we're going to have seasons where we only win two games, and and so then what do we still do we still rely on God? Do we still trust Him? Do we still know and believe that He's good? Uh, and and do we do we turn from Him in those moments, or do we lean in and say, God, I need you. We're losing. I'm struggling. I'm dealing with obstacles, and I, I need you to walk me through this. Um, he doesn't always just take us out of those tough times. He walks with us through the difficulties. And, and so we can, we can trust him each step of the way. And, and I actually, I wrote a devotional. Uh, I read a devotional called Unpack This. So if you haven't subscribed yet, encourage you to check that out, unpackingit.com. It's free. And basically I take sports stories related to the Bible, related to our own lives. And it goes out Monday, Wednesday, Friday through email, and then also posted on our website. But back in 2019, I wrote an our, 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 uh, devotional called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Great Teams? And I was actually writing about the Golden State Warriors when they were dealing with all their injuries and ended up losing to the Toronto Raptors in the finals because everybody was hurt. And, you know, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, 
they were out, and and we know the story of the Warriors now the last couple seasons being injured. Well, well, now they're back. Now they're back and, and experiencing uh, the 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 winning again. Why why did bad things happen to a great team like the Warriors? Right? Oh, I can't believe it. How could this happen to Clay Thompson and, and Kevin Durant? And and so it's similar mindset uh, for us, and, and and that's why this parallel uh, you know fits us well from a, a life and sports standpoint. Uh, but the verse I, I used and in this devotional and what Tom Allen mentioned in the interview is he was he's read Job a couple times. Well, Job 1, 21 and 22 uh, says this. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. And if you know the story of Job, everything, everything, he lost everything. Everything was bad. Everything was going against him. And it was, you know, wondering what was going on. And he went through quite the process uh, with that. But ultimately, um, he trusted God and, and continued to, to worship him. Um, and so is that the case for, for us? Or do we feel like God owes us something? That spiritual entitlement. Come on, come on, God, you owe me. You owe me. I did this, now you do that. And are we negotiating with God? And when we do that, we we forget that he's the God of the universe. <laughs> he created us. He He put us here and he can take us away. He's in control. We're, we're, you know, we're loved by him and we're valued by him, but he's the, he's the one we're, we're, we're just, we're not as big and great as we think we are. <laughs> right. So, so we got to put ourselves in proper uh, alignment with, with the God of the universe, the good loving God of the universe and with humility and, and surrender and open hands. All right, God, I- I'm yours. I- I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. If, if it means I have to, to deal with, with struggle and, and persecution and everything gets stripped away and, and I still have you, that's enough. And it's hard, to, it's hard to get to that point. It's hard to believe that. And I, I, I can't say that, that every day that's my, my mentality, but that's what I long for. And I think that's the, the right mindset to have versus, all right, I'm going to do all these things and then God's going to do this and that for me and we're going to negotiate this great deal. Um, he doesn't owe us that. Now, sometimes he, he does. He blesses us and shows us favor, but he doesn't owe us that. He, there's no entitlement here. Um, so uh, many of us, you know, it's a, it's a struggle because maybe we've, we have had other things in life go our way or we've had plenty of resources or whatever it may be. And so we have entitlement just in general. And then that seeps into that spiritual entitlement. And so uh, we have to, to examine our hearts and, and confess those things and humble ourselves before the Lord and, and say, yeah, the, the, understand the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Continue to worship him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the Bible, the book of Job is all about his suffering and losing it all while remaining in humble submission to God. Even though Job was a great and righteous man, bad things still happened. And, and so that, that can be the case for us. We can do all the right things and bad things still might happen to us that are out of our control. It, we live in a broken, evil world. And... God can step in and and prevent things from happening, but he also can allow things for his purposes, his plans to grow us, change us, refine us, shape us, reveal himself to us where we see him in a new light. Uh, it humbles us and, and it, it, it continues us down that path of full reliance, full dependence, full, full surrender. And sometimes the only way for that to happen is through 
difficult times and through those losing seasons, those two win seasons. Sometimes that's that's what it's what it takes. And and so what's most important is our character and eternity and 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 God changing our hearts uh, and changing us to to become more and more like Jesus. There you go. That's a tough that's a tough one to 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 grasp and I'm I'm working through it myself, continuing to understand uh, okay, I can't have spiritual entitlement but to to truly humble myself before God and rely on him and worship him. Whew, through all the the challenging days because there are many this side of heaven, but we long for the day, long for the day. It'll be a wonderful time for eternity. I hope you're I hope you'll be there with me. I hope you'll be there with me. So I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Thanks to Tom Allen. Thanks to you for listening. Have a great rest of your day. And we will talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MetaShare. For more information about the show, our events in Charlotte, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.